0: Oh, we're blessed, aren't we? I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 20 again as we continue um, in this look at the people that are surrounding the Easter story. That maybe we would tune our hearts and our lives in expectation of christ 's resurrection, um, since I know some have come in after, I just want to state again once uh, that we will be going back to one service at nine forty five on Easter morning. Um, we once again will ask if if you 're not feeling well, feel free to come home. Uh, the online streaming of our services and things is not going to stop uh, we We're going to continue on with that. Uh, We see fruitfulness in that. We are reaching people around the world, we can see, that are watching um, and joining us. So uh, I'm going to say it, and I, I hope this is not a controversial statement, but there are two kind of people in our world. There are aisle seat people, and there are window seat people on a plane, I flew recently, and I know which kind I am, and, and I also know when I get my login whether I'm probably going to sit where I want to sit or not, but there, there are window seat people and there are aisle seat people. There are no middle seat people. If you sit in the middle, if you, you're you stuck, and if I'm lucky enough to sit in the middle, and I say lucky sarcastically, because I, and I'm probably between two really big guys that have probably been just running a marathon because that's what it feels like. None of us like to sit in the middle. The middle's where we feel stuck. That's true whether it's in a seat on an airplane or a car ride. I can remember the family car rides. We, we, we talk, we, it's still today, you know, she's looking out my window. <laughs> or you get into life in projects at home. It's, you know, the beginning, the planning, the excitement of seeing it. You can see it already in all the different things. And you, at the end, you know there's going to be a celebration that this project is done. But in the middle, oh my, it's in the middle where you go from this is the best idea to this is hard, to what did I start? This is terrible. There's no way I'm ever going to finish this project. And Allie, I I can see the, the nodding in your head right now. To what did we ever think we were doing in starting it in the first place? It's in the middle where you tend to get bogged down. It's in the middle where morale begins to just drown itself. It's in the middle that fear can also overtake where we are at the moment. One of the most scary things the disciples ever went through was the storm on the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's they they've uh, the boats in the middle of the sea, the wind kicks up, the waves are kicking up, the they're, it's in the middle that they begin to lose heart. It's in the middle when they've lost focus, and these are many of them are experienced seamen. They've they've grown up on the water. But it's in the middle that they thought they were going to drown and die. And that is exactly the information and emotion that is going on in our story today. That this is where Jesus' followers, his disciples, on that Easter day, when he encounters them, they were stuck. They're in the middle of it. They are afraid, think they were ever going to get out of that situation. And so we begin in verse 19 of John chapter 20 this morning. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. So they're all locked in one room. They're locked there because they are afraid. It's not that they were locked from the outside. They've locked the door from the inside. At this moment, they are at risk of being arrested as Jesus' accomplices. One commentator describes this foreboding feeling that, that they are wrapped up in the midst of because they just don't know that at any moment a door, the door could knock or be busted open and in would come the people that would take them away. And so they've gathered. They've locked themselves in. They're huddled, and they're afraid. Now, this is some funny commentary that I, that I read, and I, and I kind of enjoy it, but think about this. These are the disciples. There were 12, but Judas is now gone. He's, he's dead. Thomas isn't there, so there could been 10 or fewer in this room they are meeting by cdc guidelines at this point (laughs) until jesus shows up and when jesus shows up the 10 become the 11 and they catch something you can't make this up they catch something that one more because what Jesus shows up in the middle of this moment, in the middle of fear, in the middle of feeling stuck, locked up, locked in, feeling like they couldn't get out. And this is when Jesus chose to show up into this moment, into the middle of the circumstance and the fear and the emotions and the what-ifs and declare, peace be with you. And when Jesus spoke when he uttered these words, when he breathed out these consonants and syllables, what they came down with was a spirit of calm. What they came down with is is Jesus inserts himself into the middle of this moment, and the outcome is that they were comforted. And I, and I really believe that this is the Word that God needs for our world and He wants the world to hear. And He wants our church to hear. And for us personally, in the midst of all that's going on, whatever you're in the middle of, that Jesus wants to show up and speak into your life. Because the outcome of Jesus showing up Was that the disciples were comforted by his presence? The the presence of Jesus made all the difference in the world. Because they went, you know, how they went out was different than how they came in. They came in afraid, they came out, came in hunched over and huddled in. and, And yet you get this sense that by the end that they leave triumphant. They went out bold. They went out comforted. And the difference is His presence. Because His presence unlocks peace. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He didn't give peace. He is peace. Ephesians 2 says, he himself is our peace. And when we say that we need to remember, we need to remember that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of trouble that everything's peachy keen and no issues whatsoever. Peace is in the midst of everything that we're going on that we can have peace. Peace. Because peace is the very presence of God. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace and He is present in in any situation, then, then even in the trouble or whatever we're going in the middle of, we can have peace because He is our peace. And don't miss this. But as we grow, as we continue to pursue Christ in relationship, as we become more and more a disciple of Christ, we're always going to be moving closer to peace and we can be calmed by his presence in our lives. And so for the disciples that evening, the result of their encounter with Christ is that they realize that he is alive and he has not been taken away from them. And it's then that they can realize that they can be calm even in the midst of the storms that, that, that are going on in the midst, that are that are there. So his presence, just being there, has has changed their demeanor and they're comforted. It's it's changed how they could approach their situation. But they are also comforted by his words. He declares, Peace be with you. The first words of the risen Jesus to this group of gathered disciples is is not a command, it's not a reminder that you failed me, you ran when I was arrested. It's not a call for repentance or even for faith. No, His first words to His disciples are a gift of Himself. It's all He needed to say. It's all He needed for them to understand that the circumstances around them haven't changed at this moment. What has changed... Is themselves. They're still in danger. They're, they're still going to be, have this understanding that they could be rounded up and eventually that will come true. But they no longer had a reason to fear it. The result and the resources of his words change them because Jesus is tapping into an understanding of shalom this concept we we don't quite fully grasp. It's this understanding and this idea that speaks of a wholeness of of well-being that came from God and gives you every good gift. So when he says, peace be with you, Jesus is saying, may God give you every good gift. May God give you every good thing. May you totally... Be well spiritually and physically. May you receive God's wellness in every way. And we can have that moment of of shalom, of peace, wash over us and allow us to know that He's not only with us, but that he is for us and wants to give us every good thing. He wants to bless us. Jesus' words are grace in the midst of this moment. And so as we anchor our hearts into and, and really hold on to his words we're able to find a shelter in the midst of the shore, storm. Not, not a shelter that we'll, well, we'll have that when we get to the end of the storm. It's, it's not even a, I'm going to believe God when He gets us through this. So, but, but now, in the midst of this place, in the midst of the circumstance, in the midst of this storm that seems to be overwhelming me, right now I can have peace because He is with me. And we are comforted by his presence. We're comforted by his words. But Jesus' disciples were also comforted by his wounds. Verse 20. We see he shows him his hands and his sides. And it says that the disciples were overjoyed. I looked up this word and the word comes from the word Grace. This word overjoyed. We might say that they were overwhelmed by the grace exhibited. They had been mourning. They were fearful. They were sad. They didn't know what was going on at that point, And all their, up to this point, the disciples had all their hopes pinned and focused, and held on Jesus. Not only as a spiritual leader that they understood Him to be as rabbi and teacher, but also as the political Messiah. They understood Him to be the one that was going to save their nation and fulfill all the prophecies about what the nation of Israel was to be and so here they thought they were going to maybe be on you know his his cabinet when he took office and began his rule and all that's gone Jesus has died and and all those hopes all those things are gone and And so when he was killed, all those dreams decimated. So why would his wounds comfort them? Why would they be overjoyed when they see these things? It's because it gave them proof that it was him. It was really him. It was Christ. It it wasn't a ghost. It wasn't... um, some representation of Him. It was fully Christ. It was Jesus who came out of the grave in His fully resurrected body. And He was fully present with them. The story wasn't over. In fact, it was just beginning. In Luke 24, the same story... Jesus says, look at my hands, look at my, uh, at my side. It is me, myself. Touch me and see, for the, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you, you see I have. And then in that same passage, he can sense there's some hesitation. Are we starting to hallucinate or, or, or whatever? And there's some lack of faith going on. And so what, what he says is, you don't believe me? Give me something to eat. And he takes some fish and he starts to eat and he's like, can a ghost do this? He's proven that he is fully risen from the dead. And by showing up and showing his wounds, he's reminding them as well that his focus is is always on what He has done, not on what we need to do for Him. Because He has different priorities. We can have confidence in the fact that redemption and relationship with God is not possible through, uh, through what we do. It's only made possible through Christ. And it was always His initiative. It was always his plan. It's not about you and me marking different things of of self discipline. And we need to take notice that this is a reminder of what Jesus has done for them, comes before what he calls them to do. Because we find next that they were comforted by his mission, his mission becomes their mission. Jesus announces that his mission is, is theirs. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus declares, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And this word that Jesus uses, send, it's a diplomatic phrase. Jesus isn't sending them on an in- errand. It's much more important than that. They, and by extension we, are sent on an official mission on behalf of the kingdom that we are now ambassadors of, the kingdom of God. And so for each of us, as we begin this diplomatic mission, we start... By understanding that we are sent. We are a sent people. You are sent to your home. You are sent into the situations that you find yourself at work or in school. You are sent into the community in which we interact with on a day-by-day basis. You are not just going into this. You are sent into the situation. And if you're wondering what you're being sent to do, if you're wondering, well, what do I have? What can I do? Romans 10, 14 says what our instructions are. How can they not? Know? How can they know unless we go? How can they hear unless someone shares with them? How can they believe unless someone points them to the? Lo- to look to Jesus. If we don't preach, if we don't go, if we don't join in on the official work on behalf of the embassy of heaven, how can anyone know in the world and believe in the hope and salvation that God has offered? Your and my task is simple. Share the message. Jesus is risen. His hope and all hope lies in that fact. And if that sounds like a big task, it is. But what I like is we see in the midst of this, as they've gathered, he shows up in the middle when they're most disheartened, and he extends peace, And and so what we see is yes, that means that there's peace as we gather, but it's not just when we gather together that we are extended that, because we see that there's also peace for the scattering. As they are sent, as we are sent, as, as we're in our homes, as we're separated from our times together, there's peace as we live out the mission. And do what God has called us to do. Right in the middle of wherever you are, you can expect and understand that God's presence, He is with you. His peace is with you. That even though our mission is bigger than our own capabilities, and even our own strength, we can be comforted by the same thing His disciples were, His Spirit. Jesus didn't just speak peace as He sent them. It says that He breathed His Spirit into them and on them. And as He did, He said, receive this Spirit. And it's the same Spirit that's able, that is available to you and I. It's the same Spirit that's able on all of us, and we receive this power to be sent, and as we receive this power to see our situations and our circumstances differently, we, we must not forget that it's the same power that Jesus that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that's given us each and every believer. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead has been given to his followers. Do all that we've been called to do to continue the mission that we are sent out as representatives, as ambassadors of God's kingdom. This word breathed, it's the same word that was used in Genesis chapter 2. That that states that in creation God breathed life into the lungs of Adam. The same word is is used that when God formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils that this man became a living being. It's the same. It can be translated breath, wind, spirit. So when God breathes into someone, as he does even now. God infuses spirit. It infuses life. God's breath. God's spirit brings about the life and renewal of God's holy people. And Jesus is with you right now. His Holy Spirit is here in our midst, bringing and breathing life that we might continue and understand that we are empowered not just by our legs and our arms and our, but by the very breath of God to go about the mission that we've been called, that we have been sent. God gave it to Christ. He was faithful, continues to be faithful, and in that, he's given it to you and to me. To everyone here, you have a mission. You are not stuck in the middle. You are empowered in the moment to bring peace because Christ is with you, to bring hope because Christ is hope. He is not dead, He is alive. The grave is empty. Fear can't keep him out. Locked doors can't keep Christ out. Jesus is here wanting to breathe life and peace and mission into you and to me. He wants to fill you with his power and his peace, no different than that it was that day in that room. The question Will you receive it? Will you accept it? Will you understand and live into your sentness? That doesn't mean we do it all the exact same way. What it means is we have the exact same message. Christ is alive. He is risen. And there is hope And there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is hope and there is power because the grave is empty. There is hope and there is power because it did not end and it will not end. That Christ's kingdom has been established. And that one day he's going to come and set up shop. And there will be a judgment, a righteous judgment that goes by His standards. Be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Heavenly Father, into that moment of fear, The disciples for three years had experienced so much. They had seen things they never thought they would see. They had been taught things that they had never heard before. They had been challenged. And now they are sent. You stepped into a moment of fear and gave grace. And we see in Acts a tremendous understanding that the message didn't stop at the grave. That with boldness and power, your resurrection led a small group of disciples into a world-changing body of Christ. That mission still continues, and we understand it. Help us, Lord. May we not settle in complacency. May we not fear of what the world may think. God, you've not called us and sent us into political correctness. You've called us and sent us into your own holiness. May we leave here as we scatter in full understanding that you go with us, that your presence and your peace empower us to live differently, to share the message of hope that you give. For he is risen. He is risen indeed. In your name we pray, amen. We do invite you, if you'd like to stay, there's a time of fellowship and some coffee in the holy grounds. But go be blessed and be a blessing. You're dismissed.